As I walk through the door, I sensed his presence. And I knew this was a place where love abounds. For this is the temple Jehovah God abides here. We are standing in his presence on holy ground in his presence there is joy beyond all measure and at his feet peace of mind can still be found if you have a need I know he has an answer reach out and claim it child you're standing on holy ground
us praise Jesus now we are standing in his presence we are standing in his presence we Standing in his presence on holy ground. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 If you have your Bible, if you have a Bible out on something, would you find 1 Corinthians chapter 11? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We believe that Jesus gave to the church two ordinances, one of those being baptism after a person trusts Christ as Savior, the next step of obedience, uh, baptism. And then the second ordinance that Jesus gave to the church is the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Uh, some people call it communion, and that's what we are observing this morning. So if you'll find 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17. Notice what it says, 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. Paul, writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, Now in giving the following instruction... I do not praise you since you come together not for the better but for the worse and so it's evident that as Paul writes to the church at Corinth uh, he has some things to say to them concerning the Lord's Supper he said I do not praise you I have no praise for you in fact what you're doing is causing more harm than good so if you are taking an outline this morning, and I do not have one for you, um, but anyway, notice there is a correction going on. Look at verse 18. Paul said, to for, begin, uh, for to begin with, uh, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. Verse 19, now listen to Paul's sarcasm here. There must indeed be factions among you so that the approved among you may be recognized. Bit of sarcasm. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one person is hungry while another is drunk. Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you look down on the church of God and embarrass those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? And notice he says again, I do not praise you for this. So Paul is offering correction to the church at Corinth. Now, uh, the early church had developed this uh, custom, if you will, a practice of what was called a love feast before their worship. 
And so they would come together, and like Baptists do, they would bring a, uh, we'd, we'd call it potluck, all right, in today's vernacular. They'd bring a dish, and everybody would sit down and have this wonderful meal and time of fellowship before the actual worship. Well, here's what was going on. And, and so that, that, by the way, was a symbol of caring. It was a symbol of unity between the, the church members. But what was happening was this, as Paul told us, there were some of the more affluent people in the church were getting there early. And evidently, they were eating the food before anyone else got there. And so they were getting their fill. Uh, they ate the food they brought to the meal and probably uh, some of the others as well. And so therefore, when some of the more um, needy people showed up to eat, there was not as much food. In fact, it, most of it was gone. Not only that, but they were uh, indulging in the bottle. Uh, drunk, okay, if you will, because they drank too much wine. And so here's what you had in the church. It was a total disregard for others. It was disrupting the unity of the church uh, because of these who showed lack of regard. So Paul says, hey, listen, you're, you're making things worse. I, I don't offer any praise to you for this. In fact, what you're doing is causing more harm. So there was correction from Paul. Secondly, number two, there was some instruction from Paul. Look what he said in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So notice the instruction. Paul reminds the church there in Corinth of what communion was really meant to, to be. So actually, Paul is saying to us in these verses, uh, the Lord's Supper looks in three different directions. Think about it. First of all, it looks back. It looks back. In other words, it reminds us of the fact that Jesus loved us enough that he gave his life on the cross as payment for our sins so that we might be set free. And so it is a look back to the fact that our debt was paid in full by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and so the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, were given uh, this celebration to remember. And, and by the way, it it really was the week of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and so the Passover meal was part of that week of Unleavened Bread feast. And so the Jewish people were given the celebration of the Passover so that they might remember uh, God delivered them as a nation from Egypt. In fact, so each year they observed this Passover meal uh, as a memorial to what God had done for them. So you remember the story. Uh, as the children of Israel were uh, slaves taken 
held bondage in the land of Egypt. Remember, God sent Moses uh, to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no can do, not going to do it. So that happened a number of times. Each time God would send a plague on the land. And Pharaoh just simply refused. And so God said, okay, enough of that. Enough playing around. I'm going to bring one last plague on the nation. And that is the death of the firstborn. On this day, the, this, the, the, the angel of death is going to pass through the land. And the firstborn of every uh, family and, uh, and w- would be taken away in death unless, unless this provision was carried out. They were to take a lamb without spot or blemish, sacrifice the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, apply it to the, the frame of the door, to the lentil and the side post of the door. So once the death angel came through the land, the death angel would see that the blood was applied and the death angel would pass over that place, sparing it. So therefore, the, the Hebrew people were given uh, instructions once a year to, to, to do this in memorial of what God had done for them, how God had set them free and rescued them from the land of Egypt. And so they are celebrating, therefore, this Passover meal because they've been commanded to observe it. So, so the Lord's Supper, uh, Paul said it looks back. It reminds us of the cross. It reminds us of the sacrifice that Jesus gave. He gave himself so our sins might be forgiven. Secondly, secondly, it's insinuating here, and we see it, that not only does the Lord's Supper point back, it is a present reality. It's a time, listen, the Lord's Supper is a time when we commune with the Lord. Thus, the name communion. Some people call the Lord's Supper uh, communion, same thing. And so it's a time when we commune with our Lord in a special way. We, We... set aside some time and so Jesus said the cup Jesus said my body which was broken for you and by the way somebody said to me one time way way back sometime um, you you said the Lord's body was broken Uh, but the Bible says that not a bone in his body was broken well that's right but he was broken in some other ways his body was broken as the crown of thorns was pressed on his brow his body was broken in the fact that he was whipped, beaten with the Roman cat of nine tails. His body was broken in the fact that he had spikes driven through his hands and feet. So in that regard, his body was broken for you and for me. And, and Paul says here that the cup, the cup, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a new covenant. That, that is, it's a new relationship with God that is put into effect by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying, we used to be enemies with God. We used to be enemies with God because we could not keep the law perfectly. Nobody could. But now, now, 
because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when we entered into that relationship with him. Listen, we become friends. Did you know you're a friend of God? What a great friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. And, and, and so because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are now friends. Listen, we are children of God. He, he's your father. And so it, it's, it's a present reality. Uh, there is a present reality to the Lord's Supper as we partake of it. So we are reminded of our communion, not, not only with the Lord, but we're also reminded of our communion with each other. I want to call this to your attention, if you would, in verse 17. Paul has just said, I do not praise you since you come together. If you look uh, in verse 18, when you come together, verse 20, therefore, when you come together, uh, down in verse 33, when you come together to eat, uh, you can come together. Did you notice those phrases? Five different times at least there in those verses. Paul said, when you come together. In, in other words, we come together to share in the Lord's Supper. And, and so we are all recipients of God's mercy and God's grace. And by the way, when people don't come to church and when they're not participating in the Lord's Supper, they're, they're rebellious. They're, they're sinning against God. And so people who don't ever come uh, to church uh, to, to meet with brothers and sisters in Christ and to partake of the Lord's Supper together. They're not coming together. So they're being disobedient. So we come together when, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. It, it reminds us of the past, what the Lord Jesus has done on the cross for us. When we come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we, we're saying we are acknowledging now that we are a friend of God because of our relationship with him, because of his shed blood. Now, I'm a child of God. Uh, we're children of God. But, but then notice thirdly, the third direction that the Lord's Supper points us to, it points us to the future. Notice what he said uh, in, in verse 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Listen, Jesus is coming back. That's right. Just as sure as Jesus came the first time, he's coming back the second time. And so Paul said, as you observe the Lord's Supper, you, you, you do that until he comes. That's our instructions. So it's a backward look, it's a present reality, and it's a forward look. Now, I, and, and I thought about this. It, it, with something that is so significant and so important that Jesus gave to the church, uh, it, it's kind of odd that there are conflicts over the Lord's Supper between different churches and different denominations. Have you noticed? Uh, it's a point of conflict. So, so, so what is, for example, uh, what was the nature of the bread and the cup? Well, there are some who believe that um, the, the bread and the juice actually 
as they partake it actually become the body and the blood of Jesus. There are people who teach that and who subscribe to that. There are uh, some other religious denominations who teach that the, the bread and the juice um, combine with the body and the blood of Jesus, some kind of miraculous thing that takes place as they partake. Now, and so you get in those terms, and some of you theologians will recall those terms like consubstantiation and transubstantiation and those kind of things. But we don't believe that. Here's what we say. These are simply symbols. If you will, it's an object lesson. It's an object lesson. Uh, and, and that's all they are. The elements just remind us of the body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and then some churches uh, get, get all up in the air about how often you're supposed to observe the Lord's Supper. Um, there are churches who uh, share in the Lord's Supper, they partake weekly. Uh, others do it monthly. We uh, try to practice here in this church quarterly. Uh, and, and this is just my personal, you know, opinion. I, I think sometimes if, if it's done on a weekly basis, it becomes somewhat routine. Uh, and, and sometimes we become too familiar. And so we have chosen here to do it, to do it quarterly. And, and then here, here's something else that some churches get kind of cranky about. Who should partake of the Lord's Supper. Well, we, we believe the scripture, the scripture teaches that it's for believers only. Those people who have trusted Christ as their Savior, and so we believe the Lord's Supper uh, is for believers only. Now, uh, there are some churches, as they observe the Lord's Supper, they say you really can't partake of the Lord's Supper with us unless and until you are a member of that church, that church family. It's called closed communion. It, on the opposite of that is open communion, which is what we practice here, open communion. And so I say that to say this to you folks who are not members uh, of First Baptist Church of Frostproof. As long as you know the Lord Jesus Christ, we invite you to fellowship with him and us as we partake. And so you're welcome to join us as we partake. Uh, of the Lord's Supper. Uh, and, and, and so uh, we, we just feel like uh, that it, it's a time that points us specifically, intentionally to Christ. Proclaims the message of the gospel. Did, see, see, that's the message of the gospel in, in that bread and, and the juice. That, that's the good news that Jesus uh, gave his body and shed his blood. That's the good news of the gospel so that a person might be forgiven uh, in, in good standing with God. And then thirdly, I would say this. Uh, there's a, Paul issued a correction and he gave some instruction. And thirdly, there's a preparation. The preparation begins in verse 27. Notice what he says. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. So a man should examine himself. In this way, he should eat the bread and drink of the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. 
This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. Now, that's Paul's way of saying many have died. If we were properly evaluating ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we may not be condemned with the world. So, Paul essentially is saying this. There is a preparation that we need to make as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Paul, Paul seems to say here that many in the church at Corinth in that day and age, many were sick and some had even died because it was God's judgment upon the people because their hearts were far removed from God and yet they were still entering into that time of worship and in particular into the Lord's Supper uh, when, when their hearts were far from God. And so God brought judgment upon them. And, and so Paul essentially, is, I think, is saying to us, it, it's a time when we need to examine ourselves. We need to examine our own heart uh, to, to see, first of all, if we are in the faith, that is, if we know Christ as Savior. It's a time that we need to do that. Uh, if not, then we need to just decline taking it. And by the way, if anybody declines, nobody's going to ask you why, okay? That's a personal thing between you and God. And so we examine ourselves, first of all, to make sure we're in the faith, that we know Christ as Savior. And then secondly, I think it's a time when we examine our hearts, maybe for something there that should not be there, or something that's not there that should be there. And so we ask God to examine our heart, and, and we ask God's forgiveness for anything that's there that we need to ask God's forgiveness for. And, and then I want to say something here. Um, I, I've heard on a couple occasions a person has said to me, I didn't partake the Lord's Supper uh, because I, I'm a sinner and I'm not worthy. Well, listen, my dear friend, if we wait until we're worthy, we'll never partake. Because none of us are ever worthy. But, but, but we come uh, in, because of the, the righteousness and the forgiveness and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and so uh, take, to take, uh, to not take the Lord's Supper because we feel unworthy, if that were the case, none of us would ever take it. And so taking it, though, Paul is talking about taking it in an unworthy manner, okay? So just wanted to share that with you. So, so we, we remember, listen, we want to have our hearts and our attitudes right as much as we can when we come uh, to observe the Lord's Supper. Um, so, so it's a special time, okay? This is a special time. And... Um, and what I want us to do right now, first of all, I want us to spend a little time in prayer. And as we spend this time, this is just between you and God. You and God. Don't worry about anybody else, your neighbor. Would you bow with me, please? Father in heaven, this is a special time when we enter into your presence and, and every occasion is when we enter into your presence what a great privilege we have 
to come into the presence of our Heavenly Father, our Creator, our Sustainer, our Savior. Now, Holy Spirit, we, we, we pray. We pray that you would shine your searchlight into the recesses of our heart right now. Now, Lord, would you bring to mind anything in our heart, on our mind, that we need to confess to you? And then, Lord, as you reveal that to us, I pray right now we'd ask your forgiveness.